something that happened yesterday was that Chris Milam was sharing the gospel as part of a team in the neighborhood, home to home, the neighborhood of our, our uh, church building here. And he asked someone at the door, is there anything I can pray for you for? We're praying for people today. And the young man at the door um, started, actually started crying right there. And he said, my mom and my dad both, uh, both died a year to get, uh, at the same time a year ago today. And that he, the, the young man at the door saw Chris's presence as God sending him someone to encourage him and impart the comfort of God to him. It's a very beautiful, anointed moment in the Holy Spirit. See, we're partnering with God with this stuff, and he does want to give comfort to people and encouragement as well as win them to himself. So just one example of good things that happen. So be praying for that for this year. It's our, our duty. I want to talk with you about Jesus' optimism today. Some years ago, I was, Brendan and I were in a home fellowship meeting, church fellowship meeting in Bellingham, Washington. And uh, the host of the home made a comment about Jesus having a positive self-image. I couldn't help myself. I said, hey, if you were God, you'd have a positive self-image too. <laughs> it was a good moment. <clears throat> Jesus does have a positive self-image, and he is the kindest person you're ever going to meet, and he is the most optimistic person that you're ever going to meet, and, he, and every, every moment that you are aware that Jesus is with you, and he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you, it's important for, for you and, 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 and you and I realize that Jesus is filled with an infinite levels and dimensions of optimism, positive thoughts towards you and your future. And we see in the story, chapter 19, some keys some triggers for this supernatural Jesus optimism that Jesus himself not only experiences, but wants us to experience as we hitch our trailer to his life, his resurrection life. And we're going to talk about them today. At the end of the talk today, we're going to give you a chance to receive Jesus as your Savior because if you do not have Jesus as your Savior, you might have some good things in your life, but ultimately, eternally, you don't have any reason to be optimistic. We want you to have a, a reason to be optimistic, and Jesus is the reason. So be ready to receive Christ if you haven't done that yet. This is your day for that. As we begin our journey through chapter 19 of the story, we see the exiled third generation of the people of Judah in exile. 
You'll remember that after the Civil War, following Solomon's reign, third king of Israel, it was a civil war between the north and the south. The north was the ten tribes of Israel who seceded. And then Judah, the tribe of Judah and Benjamin in the south, the name of the country in the south is Judah. They continued for 400 years with kings. Only five of them were righteous kings. And because of all the evil that was in the land, God ultimately sent his people in the north into exile. The Assyrian armies, Assyria, the dominant power of the day during that time, took them into exile under Sennacherib, the king. 140 years later, by that time, Babylon had taken over from Assyria and they swept through Jerusalem, took Judah in the south into captivity. Three generations have gone by, 50 years. Third generation of cynicism, sarcasm, discouragement about the promises of God in the Bible. Doesn't seem very promising here in exile. But Persia had taken over from Babylon something happens. Suddenly, there is an experience of a great surge of incredible hope, faith, and optimism. The catalyst for this surprise surge of unshakable optimism was a series of executive orders issued by the king of Persia, a king by the name of Cyrus. I want to give four good reasons given by God in the passages that we're given to study this last week. Four good reasons given by God to us that are designed to trigger supernatural, unshakable optimism. Four good reasons, four words that all start with the letter P. The first word is political. The politics of the day triggered not more depression, but optimism. God gave his people a good reason for unshakable optimism through the opportunities given by their po political leadership. Cyrus. God used Cyrus to bless the people of Israel. And later he used Darius to bless the people, I should say, Judah. But you know what? God had even used Nebuchadnezzar to bless the people of Judah. Remember, he took them into captivity. Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were totally optimistic because even with a bad king like King Nebuchadnezzar, there were there was so much God, positive God stuff. Daniel interprets the king's dream, gives him, tells the dream what, tells King Nebuchadnezzar the dream. We saw that last week, David's great sermon. And told him the meaning and became second in the land in terms of authority. Daniel did. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, very 
Fourth man appears in the furnace. This is Jesus. Very positive. Then Nebuchadnezzar himself goes insane for seven years. Goes whatever that was. But then he repented and after that and followed God. So there was some positive stuff even with Nebuchadnezzar, wasn't there? I like what Max Lucado says on the subject. When evil seems to win the day, it is God who has the final say. <laughs> Let's read it. Ezra 1, verse 1 and following. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth the Lord God of heaven has given me, and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, a worship center, which is in Judah. Who is among you all his people? May his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God, which is in Jerusalem. And whoever is left in any place where he dwells, let the men of his place help him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, besides the freewill offerings for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. Then the heads of the father's houses of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites with all whose spirits God had moved arose to go up and build the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem. And all those who were around them encouraged them with articles of silver and gold, with goods, with livestock, and with precious things besides all that was willingly offered. So Cyrus gave them a surprise blessing because of his political leadership. Now many of you know and are aware that, that several nationally known respected prophets declared that President Trump 2016 would be like Cyrus. And many, many of you uh, feel like that's what he did for the church, to bring forth blessings to the church, like Cyrus did for, for Judah. You felt like, hooray, a president who's pro-life, pro-Israel, pro-religious freedom, pro-small business. And then 2020 happened, and what happened? That's what you're thinking. And it feels like Narnia to you before Aslan fixed things. Always winter and never Christmas. I don't know how you feel like about these days of winter. Nights are hitting us about 5 p.m., cold, wet, dark. Who wants to go for a prayer walk at 6 o'clock? It feels like 10. Let's just go to bed. <laughs> Until my son-in-law gave me a flashlight for Christmas. I had 
several flashlights already, but he said, Dan, this is a $50 flashlight. It is really bright. So I took it on a prayer walk, and he was right. What do we have here? I wonder if you agree with me that it's bright. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I could shine it. I went for a prayer walk a few nights ago. I could shine it on buildings. Seemed like 10 miles away. You know? <laughs> and I want you to know that there's never been a good president or a good king or a bad president or a bad king that's been, ever been able to stop revival or even hurt it one bit. And there is good reason, there was good reason for the children of Judah, Judah to be optimistic about Cyrus, but there was also good reason to be optimistic about how God used how God moved during the time of Neb and Darius. If we individually seek God, whether you voted for Trump or whether you didn't, there's a sizable uh, minority of evangelicals that did not. If you, if you voted for Trump, you need to not be in denial about that. Many of your brothers and sisters didn't. And not have some kind of ongoing continual conflict about it. Just focus on the light of Jesus in any kind of darkness. Have the light of Jesus show you an optimistic way forward because it's there because Jesus is only optimistic. I am personally very excited about praying for President Biden. 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 to 3, tells us to pray for kings. And the king that was in charge was Emperor Nero. Nobody voted for him. Amen. He killed his own mother at the age of 22. He was 22. And he was known for murdering Christians later on. Bad guy. But Paul tells us about Emperor Nero, pray for him. Why? Just so you can tough it out? No, he says in 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 to 3, pray for kings. Why? That we may lead a quiet and peaceful life. I like quiet and peaceful. I like, I like a future for my grandkids. Quiet and peaceful. Then it also says that this God we're praying to desires all people to be saved. Pray for I pray for President Biden because I want peace for my grandchildren and their lives and their children and their children and your children and their children. And also, I want all people to be saved too. And somehow there's a link between praying for Emperor Nero and the gospel to spread, which it did under the reign of Nero and others after that. And when I pray for President Biden, whatever else I might pray for him for, I am praying and being blessed with God with an optimistic anticipation. Peace! Amen. 
for my children and grandchildren, their lives, for you. And also for salvation, great harvest, America should be saved. In the same context, Paul says pray for all people. What, what do you pray for all people for? Well, I don't know what you'd pray for them for, but I pray for all people that God would make reap a great harvest every single day of souls globally. Something else I... I... Listen, I don't know what light God has given you, but it's... If it seems like it's... Uh, you're in a tunnel and the light is a, only the light of some kind of oncoming train, you're wrong. God is giving you light of optimism. He'll show you what to praise God for and thank God for and, and um, focus on. God's blessing you through the political leadership that is upon us in this day. He's going to bless you. You've got to find the way. You've got to have the light. I do too. I'm excited about it. I'm optimistic about it. Supernaturally. Because my trailer is hitched to optimistic Jesus. Also, something brand new for Dan, St. Daniel Mickelson. Brand new. Never done this before. New thing in my life. My, one of my New Year's resolutions is to write a letter, send it by U.S. Post, to a political leader, one every week. There we go. Mitch McConnell got his. Just a short note, expressing, telling him how he should do his job. Will he read it? I doubt it. But... It, I felt good about writing it. So call, email. I like to write letters because it, it seems more like tangible. And uh, I do know that political leaders, their staff collate emails, phone calls, and they say, well, you got this many letters and emails and that's about this and this many about this. And each letter, each contact represents hundreds of people that don't write. So I'm glad, I'm excited about it. It is part of my light moving forward, my optimism. Well, I don't know what yours is. I just want to tell you the kind of example, as sort of example, kind of what I'm talking about. Two, not only does God trigger optimism through a political leadership, but through praise. Praise, my friends, is not an earthly thing. It is a heavenly thing. That's what the angels do. That's what the blood-bought saints do. They can't keep still about the glory of God in heaven. When we praise, we are not engaging in, in uh, just giving God a compliment like, we would, like you would ask uh, Alexa in your kitchen to give you a compliment, <laughs> which I do once in a while. I get a kick out of that. <laughs> Alexa, give me a compliment. <laughs> Praise is different with God. It is supernatural, heavenly, glorious, and optimistic. We see as we continue through chapter 19 of the story that the first thing that the children of Judah did when they got back to the area of Jerusalem was to build an altar 
Why? Because you sacrifice on the altar, and the sacrifices on the altar, the blood sacrifices, are all prophetic pointers to the sacrifice of the Son of God, God the Son, on, his, on Golgotha's cross. And the joy and the freedom and the liberation that that cross gives us to praise in prophetic form, in anticipatory form, this is what's going on in the, with the exiles from, um, from Persia coming back to establish themselves. Judah means praise. And their, the, the, the fabric of their whole identity, their whole identity is permeated with this is who we are. We are Judah. Our history is to go in, in, in um, the... Uh, uh, Wanderings in the desert with Moses, we always went first. The praisers and worshipers always went first in battle. This is who we are. It's the law of our being, one of the early re uh, reformers said. What, it's the law of our being, this business of praise and worship. It runs in our blood. First Peter says it this way, you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but now the people of God, who have not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Altar establishes us as foundationally the platform of our praise is the blood sacrifice of Jesus, all guilt, past, present, and future, lifted off of us. We are free to praise God in the Holy Spirit, and it is our fundamental and essential identity, individually and together. Here's a picture of a surprise I got the other day. Emma's been a little slow to warm up to Grandpa. But Brandon and I had the kids here the other day. And uh, just hanging out with four-year-old Luke and two-year-old Emma in the cubby's room, Brenda and I. All of a sudden, someone pulled up a little rocking chair next to me just to hang out by Grandpa. And I was shocked. And I was happy. My friends, let's shock God. Praise. New levels of praise. New levels of worship. Together and individually. Growth. Growing in praise and worship moves to the little rocking chair closer and God's heart gets full. They had a setback. 16 years. But God shook them up, and they got with it once again. We're going to go to point number three. Another positive opportunity. Another up, uh, window of optimism in our passage is pushback. God gave his people a good reason for unshakable optimism through opportunities for enemy together pushback. 
Notice Ezra chapter 4, verse 1. Now, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the descendants of the captivity were building the temple of the Lord, God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and the heads of the father's houses and said to them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as you do. We have sacrificed to him since the days of uh, Ezra Hadon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel and Jeshua, notice it was Zerubbabel and Jeshua, and the rest of the heads of the fathers' houses of Israel, it was a together thing. They said to them, you may do nothing with us to build the house for our God, but we alone will build the Lord, build to the Lord God of Israel. So, the presence of God in the Old Testament was in the temple. God wanted to establish the temple again. He did it. First they built the altar, blood sacrifice, Jesus. Then they, then they began to praise him. It says they even shouted praise to God. and They shouted and praised God together. It's just a beautiful expression of praise. You read it. And then now the enemies from around are saying, hey, we want we want to slow you down a bit here. And the enemy of your soul will always try to slow down your worship and your praise. He'll always try to throw a, a, a stumbling block, mess with your praise. And together we need to be aware of that there's a fight and a battle. I grew up on a farm, 320-acre farm, Washougal, Washington, near the Columbia River, an hour east of Portland on the Washington side beginning of the gorge, Columbia River Gorge there. And we had cows that were very rarely hindered by coyotes. But across County Road 11, there was a, a very large sheep ranch that was new, just started. Very, the guy was just really ready to go. Woody Nance is his name, remember him. But he was foiled by coyotes who would separate the sheep off, the little lambs off, and murder them. And he eventually had to give up sheep ranching because of that. Totally disappointed in his business adventure. Yet and yet, I was aware, I was aware of coyotes. This is what I heard at night often as a six-year-old lying at night in my bed. that in real life? Kind of eerie. Mom, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> well, I want a drink of water. Oh, good. Mom's coming. <laughs> Coyotes. The enemy is like that. Likes to, likes, to, likes to single us out. We need each other. Do you know that, do you know that the only two times in all of the apostles, Apostle Paul's letters, or the book of Acts, that he refers to himself as being alone two times, only two times. He always had fellow com uh, uh, compatriots with him to, um, to preach the gospel. And the only two times he references 
Once was in Philippi, and he says, I was, in, I was so discouraged. It's, in, it's expressed in, first, uh, in 2 Corinthians. I was comforted by the coming of Titus. God used Titus to bless him. And then at the end of his life, before he was executed, he says to Timothy, man, everybody deserted me. He's down. And please come and bring the cloak and uh, bring the parchments. Only two times. He was always aggressively having friends around him, compatriots to partner with him in praise and worship and in ministry. It is incumbent upon us to realize very seriously we are not to try to do this Jesus journey by ourselves. We have friends, family members, fellow Jesus people that together we work together and that's the secret of avoiding attacks from coyotes slash Satan. Lastly, prophetic. Last P, prophetic. We have political praise. We have pushback against the enemy. And we have prophetic. God gave his people good reason for unshakable optimism through inspiring prophetic blessings. So inspiring. Now be strong, Zerubbabel, Haggai, chapter 2, verse 4. Be strong, says the Lord. Be strong, Joshua. This is the prophet speaking. It's inspiring through the prophetic. Son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord. And work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake the nations and they shall come to the desire of the nations. God shakes up America. The church responds by turning to the blood of Jesus and becoming even more aggressive, proactive, and pressing into infinite worship, partnering together to defeat the enemy and see the kingdom of heaven expand and uh, the desire of the nations, who is Jesus, revealed to people. God shakes things up. We, when God shakes things up, are not shaking, shaking with everything. We get more strong when things get shook up. As symbolically, remember Acts chapter 4 when the church got shook up a little bit because the, the apostles were put in jail and they were released and, and they were praying. They were calling on God together. Stretch forth your hand and his mighty signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Moving forward, we have a unified goal to extend the kingdom of God in our generation to all people's God. We have the power of the spirit we can do this with you god and the whole place was shaken god shakes things he shakes things but our response is to get more firmly entrenched and uh, and strengthened in jesus when things are shaken we don't get shook chrysostom in the early fourth century about the shaking 
that I just referred to in the book of Acts, he said the place was shaken that made them unshaken. These are the, this is the prophetic ministry. God is saying, I'm going to shake things up, but you're going to be strong. Reasons for unshakable optimism. Political, praise, pushback, prophetic. We don't have to have a continual flow of fresh prophetic words for ourselves. Yeah, they're okay. I, I have, Bill Johnson puts up uh, three or five cards around his whole house of prophetic words that have given in the past, and he just keeps refreshing himself with those. I have a few right now in my life that feed me. I, I, get the, I love the prophetic words that we read about, that we're reading about in the prophets in the Old Testament. I own them. They're mine, too. And they're yours. But personal prophetic words, yeah, there's so much life. Reason for optimism. Political praise, pushback, prophetic. Uh, John Stott, in conclusion, British theologian, said it this way. It is this robust faith in God that the church most urgently needs to recover today. We need more unshakable confidence in God's grace and power. Let's stand up. Those of you that are, are watching this on channel 11 at 11 are enjoying God television show every week. This is your chance. The world around you is being shaken. This is your chance to get a firm foundation in reality and in the purpose you were made for, who is Jesus. Say this after me right there, wherever you are, as our congregation here repeats this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I call upon you to save me. I confess you as my Lord. I believe God raised you from the dead. I am saved. I am born again. I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus Christ in my heart. Those joining in the live video stream, thank you also for joining us in that prayer. And if you prayed that a minute your and have never prayed it before, your spirit has been reborn. Contact a person who you respect, that's a Jesus person, and tell them, you ask Jesus into your heart today. They are the secret to come alongside of you, partner with you, to grow in your best friend relationship with Jesus you've just started. God bless you in that adventure, and God bless us all as we go. Thank you for being with us today.